Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, fans, and welcome into the Tuesday, February the 6th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am, of course, here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we got a busy one. We wrap up the 2017 season with a couple of minutes on the Philadelphia Eagles' first Super Bowl championship, and including a parting shot from former Dolphin Jay Ajayi. Also, could Malcolm Butler be a target for the Dolphins after his surprise benching in the Super Bowl? And ESPN's 2018 power rankings are up, in addition to Las Vegas Super Bowl odds for the 2019 Super Bowl. We'll examine those. But the big ticket item on today's show is my guest. We are kicking off Rivalry Week by previewing the Jets offseason with Kyle Smith. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. Helps the podcast grow get out to more Dolphins. You guys know the drill by now. You can follow me on Twitter at Linkfield NFL. You can follow the show at Locked On Fins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com with tons of good written content right now from myself talking about the Dolphins financial structure of the organization. Kevin Dern talking about Tony Oden and stubby coverage in terms of what the defense could be next year. And then Jordan Albretti talking about another blue chip prospect, Quentin Nelson. All of that live on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. And of course, last but not least, check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On Draft Podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and get things started with First Down in the Locked On Dolphins Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins and it is first down here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. The first thing we're talking about today is, of course, the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles defeat the New England Patriots to get their first Lombardi trophy for a Super Bowl championship in what was a pretty fun and entertaining game, but the most Dolphin-related topics out of that game come from a Jay Ajayi tweet, or I guess it was an Instagram post, talking about his disrespect from Coach Gaze, even referenced him by name, made a really weird sentence that didn't really make any sense, which is weird for a guy that speaks English. He said something about... I don't know about the gassed journalistic or something like that. The tweet made no sense talking, throwing shade at Adam Gaze and the Miami Dolphins for trading him away. But just thought it was kind of interesting seeing all the hate that the Dolphins got for J.A. winning a Super Bowl championship. I mean, no one really talked about Donnell Ellerby or Donnie Jones or Chris Hogan, I guess a couple of years ago or last year getting a Super Bowl title. So kind of strange with so many Dolphins in this game. That was such a big focus. I know they traded him in season this year after a big 2016 season, but he didn't really do a whole lot for the Eagles this year in terms of a volume production standpoint. He was just one of the guys in that backfield that helped contribute and matter of fact he was the third highest or third most productive player in the Eagles backfield in that game alone had just nine carries had the third most total yards out of out of LeGarrette Blunt, JHI as well as Corey Clement back there in the backfield so I, you know, it is what it is. He left the team. The Dolphins got a draft pick for him. They got a better player in Kenyon Drake playing on his spot now. So he's gone. He sends out his shots. Kind of proves the type of player that J.H.I.E. is and how selfish he is and how he really just can't let things go. Not really a big person. Good player, but not a big person. Kind of glad to have him out of the Dolphins locker room. And speaking of guys coming and going from the Dolphins locker room, one of the big stories from that game yesterday was Malcolm Butler's benching. And 
I've seen a lot of tweets and posts talking about how his, he could possibly come to Miami and get his revenge against the Patriots two times a year. Well, the problem with that is that Malcolm Butler is just not a very good player. And he got a he made a really good play in the Super Bowl, the biggest play of his career, the biggest play anybody will make in their career really in NFL history. I mean, you can't really get much bigger than a game-clinching play in the Super Bowl. And he gets a lot of credit for that. He had a good 2015 after that as well. But 2016, 2017, despite playing a lot of reps for Malcolm Butler, not a very good player. He's just not that good. He got mossed by Jakeem Grant in that game in Miami earlier in the year and then he just really got torched on a lot of plays throughout the course of the season so it was a combination of things with discipline and of course obviously his play was a big part of it he was sick he didn't get down to the two or he didn't get over to Minneapolis in time for or the same time the Patriots players did the rest of the players did for the Patriots so just a perfect storm of, of things that happened there I'm sure we'll talk about this endlessly or at least on Twitter and other guys that cover the Patriots that type of thing throughout the course of the offseason but it just kind of signals this thing with the Patriots dynasty coming to an end or it's finally going to be over all these departures you have Matt Patricia leaving Josh McDaniels leaving Tom Brady obviously going to be 41 years old and then Rob Gronkowski floating out ideas that he might not be back next year I know it's the emotions after a big loss a big game and you can't really take it for face value but Rob Gronkowski saying that he is not sure of his has for next season so I'm not going to buy into the Patriots demise until I actually see it or at least until Belichick or Brady is gone probably more Belichick than anything I think as long as he is there they'll be okay so the whole Patriots dynasty coming to an end the whole entire run coming to an end that idea just not really making a whole lot of sense to me we'll see what happens in the offseason but as long as Brady and Belichick are there they'll be back and speaking of Tom Brady he of course has the 500 passing yards three touchdowns and a loss the 500 yards is a Super Bowl record so pretty insane numbers there and it kind of segues perfectly into our next topic talking about ESPN's power rankings that came out for 2018 they make a big deal out of this at certain times of the year I guess before the season you know about the midway point all these power rankings trying to give you a tangible or something or some type of evidence that you can actually you know tangibly place onto these teams in terms of how good they are and so they do it for 2018 despite the fact that we haven't gotten free agency we haven't gotten the draft the 20 percent roster turnover has not happened yet so it's a fun exercise for fans and i get that but espn just continues to prove how unreliable their analysis is and how they actually just how detached they are from everything their comment was that dolphins are 27th in those power rankings and the comment that they said was the dolphins get starting quarterback ryan Tannehill back but he is 37 and 40 in his career so maybe it's not that big of a deal and it just it just shows you like i said how far detached espn is from real factual analysis tom brady goes for 500 yards and three touchdowns and loses a game so we're going to still talk about players records and quarterbacks records in games when it's clearly a team sport you have nick Foles getting coached up to the ultimate player that he was the last couple of games in the playoffs after having a dreadful end of the season so you know coaching surrounding cast all these things that go into quarterback play and yet we're still relying on wins and losses to determine how good players are rather than actual film study and actually studying the players and seeing how good they are on an individual basis in isolation but what is a little bit more alarming and what actually can give you a little bit more fear are the Super Bowl odds for next year and Vegas usually has a pretty good idea when it comes to spreads in the games or over under on win totals preseason but the Super Bowl can be a little bit, you know, dicey. And we can recognize the fact that the Eagles were 50-1 to 1 last year this time. They were 23rd in ESPN's power ranking. So you really can't really trust it too much. The Dolphins only had lower Super Bowl odds than the Browns, Jets, and Bears at 80-1. to 1. So it just kind of, you know, that's not good, obviously. That's not a good, that's a good ticket if you're a Dolphins fan, I guess. But it's not, doesn't bode well for their chances of winning a Super Bowl or getting to a Super Bowl. But just kind of goes to show you can't really trust any of this stuff. Nobody knows anything really this time of year. No one really knows anything, you know, in the middle of the season, but especially not ESPN. So don't trust that stuff too much. But that's what it is. That's where we are at this point of the season. We have a long process ahead of us, the draft, free agency, all the fun stuff that comes along with that. So we'll talk about that plenty more. But let's get our guests on here next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL. 
And now I am honored to have one of my favorite podcast guests on. And let's just be totally honest about it. He's the guy that really got me into podcasting to begin with. My first debut episode was with him on the RI or the Rest in Peace AFC East Bros podcast, I should say. You can find him on Twitter at AFC East Bros. He is Kyle Smith. Kyle, how the hell have you been, man? I've been pretty freaking good, Travis Wingfield. How have you been, my friend? Just too good. It's, that's that's good to hear. And I know you've got a you kind of went in a different direction for your podcast career, and it, that makes me sad as a fan of the podcast and obviously a guest on the podcast. But you got other things going on too that are just as good. Yeah, man. You know, oh, shoot, man. Every time I do one of these things, it just gives me the itch to get back in. And who knows? I don't like to close the door on anything. Maybe in some way, shape, or form, in some type of fashion, maybe I'll make some type of resurgence. Who knows? But I love doing this. Yeah, and the guest spots definitely fill that void a little bit. But just kind of having your own show, it's always a fun thing, too. I understand how that goes. But uh, I was curious, and you know, I'm obviously honored to have you come on, but I was curious to ask you if you enjoyed the pa- the Patriots' loss yesterday as much as the Dolphins' nation did. Come on, man. Is that even a, a question to ask? <laughs> you know, the thing – but, Travis, I must say this, though, and maybe you might have had the same thoughts. Like, I didn't – like, I don't hate the Eagles or anything, but the same sense, like, I live – close to a lot of Philly fans. Like, because if you, when you go South Jersey, that's all Eagles fans down there. I live in like, you know, Northern central Jersey. So there's still a lot of Philly fans in the area. And there's some of the cockiest, arrogant, um, douchebaggiest fans that you'll ever meet. <laughs> and here's the thing. We haven't beat the Eagles as Jets fans. We've never beaten the Eagles in the regular season. Never. Really? Oh, and 10 again. Oh, and 10 against them. <laughs> and, and another thing is, they're one of those franchises that never won a Super Bowl. So, like, whenever a Philly fan said, oh, we kicked your ass last time we played you, which is true, but, yeah, but you never won a Super Bowl. Uh. I no longer have that bragging right over them. <laughs> so, I, you know, in that sense, I'm not happy about that, but to beat the Patriots, you know, good job, Philly. Of course, I, I enjoyed that. That's kind of where I am, too. I thought that was one of the the least excited I've been for a Super Bowl in a long, long time. And at least last year we had the Falcons, who I thought was a fun team and kind of a team you can get behind. So you had the old, like, you know, the the – the dark side team versus the team you have a chance to root for. So it's kind of fun in that sense. But this year, I just didn't care. Jay Ajayi, with kind of how big of a, a prick he's become, it just made me not really want to root for them either. So it wasn't a fun one, but it was a good game. At least we had that. But let's get into what we're here to talk about, Kyle, and talk about the Jets. And I know this is a Locked On Dolphins podcast, and some of my my uh, some of my listeners are probably tearing it off right now, to be totally honest with you. But I, I did get a lot of feedback saying that people wanted to hear about the teams that we will play. And obviously, the Jets are one of the teams we play twice a year. But I just want to get your overall thoughts about the 2017 Jets. They obviously had more wins than I think anyone else could have expected. So what are your overall thoughts with the 2017 Jets and Todd Bowles as well? I mean, overall thoughts of the 2017 Jets, I mean, you obviously would agree with me. I mean, Josh McCown was, you know, a very pleasant surprise. You know, he's kind of a little bit more than I guess that we thought he was. And he was the single biggest reason why that team won five games. Him and John Morton, who is now fired for the Jets. <laughs> and I think that's another slight on Todd Bowles. And, you know, your question is also it's, it's about the Jets and it's also Bowles. And I'm, I'm kind of down on Bowles. And no, make no mistake about it, this is Bowles who chose to fire Morton. And there was, you know, reports that the two had clashed over, you know, over game planning and stuff. And Bowles wanted Morton to run the ball more. Well, if you put on the all 22 film and watch Jets games, they had absolutely no running game. I mean, Wesley Johnson is the worst center in the league. Brian Winters torn abdomen, basically playing on it all season. He's a below average guard, in my opinion. Anyway, even when he's healthy, he was played like dog crap this year. James Carpenter, shell of his former self. Calvin Beecham, not much of a run blocker to begin with. And then, you know, we were playing a rookie right tackle. I mean, listen, not a rookie right tackle, excuse me, second-year player who's basically a rookie. Um, but our, we had absolutely no run blocking. So when I look at it, like, if I'm John Morton, I would clash with Bowles over that because 
the single biggest reason why the Jets had some offensive production was because of Morton's game planning and because of Josh McCown. And it's the right thing not to run the ball as much as Bowles wanted to. You're going to run the ball behind that terrible offensive line. So I'm down on Bowles. Um, and in terms of the Jets' overall season, like, yeah, you know, it was it was kind of, I guess, not for me because I was all pro-tank. You guys know this if you listen to this podcast when I was on before. But, I mean, winning five games, I mean, we beat you guys. When we beat a, a couple other teams, we beat the Bills. So what? I mean, I'm not super excited for this upcoming season, and I'm not. And going back to Bulls again, this is what kind of gives me some trepidation about rooting for this team going forward and wanting this team to have success. I really don't trust Bulls as the coach to move us going forward. You know, he's been with us for three seasons now. He's supposed to be a def- defensive-minded genius. He's had talent on defense. You can't say that he hasn't. You know, he's had some studs on the D-line. We, Year after year, we invest first-round draft picks in um, the defensive side of the ball. And we've also spent tons of free agent money on the defensive side of the ball. But this guy has never ta- touted a, a top-10-ish defense, if you will. Look at the numbers this year. Um, I don't know if you ever – I know you do statistics with your with your audience, Travis, but um, DVOA, Football Outsiders metric, um, you familiar with it? Yeah. Yeah, and you know the Jets finished 18th this year. That's bottom half of the league. They don't force as much turnovers as some other teams. Um, and, and again, this is this is Bulls defense, totally. And, and not to mention that they're constantly collapsing late in games. You know, the, think about when we played you guys down in Miami. Freaking Matt Moore comes in and torches us in the fourth quarter. I mean, I just. And Bowles is kind of clueless when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. And I get it. Most head coaches are only, you know, one side of the ball type of guys. But if he's supposed to be this defensive mastermind, he's got all these first-round draft picks, and we spent all this cap on the defensive side of the ball. To me, sometimes his game plans just seem um, quite staggering. So I'm not so high on him going forward. And, yeah, it was nice to, you know, I guess stick it to some people say, yeah, we're better than we we thought you guys thought we were. But – for me, I, I wanted the number one overall pick. So anyway, hope that answers your question. Yeah, because in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. You know, you mentioned the, the, the amount of resources the Jets have put on the defensive side of the football in terms of high draft picks and all that good stuff. And it, it, it's a development thing from that point, man. I've seen that with the Dolphins, all the high draft picks on the offensive line that haven't turned out. It's just you got to be able to develop players. And hearing you talk about the 2017 Jets kind of reminds me of how I felt about the 2015 Dolphins. I mean, I, I was excited about like Kenny Steele's coming in. Devontae Parker was a you know first round draft pick. They had all this offensive firepower we thought we were going to have, and then but then there was Joe Philbin, who I just couldn't have thought less of. So that's kind of how I feel. Maybe you're feeling about it, but the one thing you have to look forward to, I think, in 2018 is a quarterback change. I know Josh McCown was good. I, you know, I was the first person to tell you that the, through the first six or seven weeks, I thought he was playing fantastic in the season, but. You guys are in a position to pick a quarterback high in the draft or take one in free agency with the cap money. So give me your ideal plan at the at the quarterback position and your backup plan at quarterback. Who is your number one guy? And then what's your second target in quarterback uh, in the offseason for the quarterback position? And that, that could be either free agency or draft. Absolutely. Correct. All right. So ideal would be Kirk Cousins, baby. That's your guy. Yeah. You've been hyping off for the longest times. I mean, listen, I... Shoot, I should I should pull up my notes. But uh, I went on a show recently, and I was talking about Kirk Cousins and what he brings to an offense. And I don't know how much time we really have to go into that, but 
if I can, I would like to spend a lot of time on that. But when, when I watch Kirk Cousins, I mean, I see I see a franchise quarterback. I mean, Travis, where would you rank him right now in terms of quarterbacks? Because I can't see ranking him any lower than 12. And it's funny you mentioned my love for him because I seem to have this affinity for all those guys in that like fringe, mid, top level of players like the Alex Smiths, the Ryan Tannehills. <laughs> I seem to be the guy that kind of champions all those dudes. But I would say, yeah, he's right in that like... Ten, and see, Kyle, I believe that these quarterbacks in that, that 8 to 15 type of range, they're all volatile in the sense that they could be like a top 5 quarterback or a bottom 15 quarterback on any given day and any given season. And so I put Kirk Cousins right in that same class with, like I said, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan. I think those guys all come into that same class where if you have the right team around them, they could be a top 5 quarterback for an entire season. If you have a terrible team, the, the wheels could fall off. So I say right in that kind of, like you said, that 12 range. Yeah, you know, and, and speaking of like, well, people thought like Kirk Cousins was going to take a dip this year, and maybe statistically he did, but in terms of how he played on the field, I don't think that he did. And you know, his O line was not even clear; it was not even close to, excuse me, the way that it was in previous years. He had much less pass protection, but and you know, he wasn't always known for like having this innate uh, pocket presence to you know climb the pocket. And but you saw him go up to Seattle and take shots and deliver strikes late in that fourth quarter, and he didn't really do that in previous years. You know, and, you know, what are some other things that I see about him on tape? He's got a very quick release. I would say he's definitely got like a maybe, maybe close to top five uh, release in the NFL. You could tell me whether or not you agree with that. I think he's got very smooth footwork. Arm strength is clearly no issue. Puts tons of velocity on the ball. I know he clocked in at the combine at 50 mi- 59 miles an hour. And in terms of his deep ball, he can be a little inaccurate with that. But it's not an issue of arm strength. In fact, you put on the 2016 skins, he's overthrowing Deshaun Jackson. I mean, so it's not a matter of can he push the ball downfield. It's maybe like, you know, is he on par with his receiver and how can he be a little bit more accurate? You know, I know that there was a lot of talk about Tannehill having that issue with Mike Wallace. Not that Tannehill couldn't push the ball deep, but, you know, maybe they just weren't on the same page or whatever. Um, He's decently mobile. You know, he's got five rushing touchdowns, four and four in respective years. You know, and it's not just him scrambling in on a QB sneak like Brady. Like, no, he'll pull the ball on an option play and he'll – he'll run outside the defensive end and score a touchdown or, you know, you know, it's man, he sees man coverage, everybody's locked up and he'll just, you know, do a Josh McCown and scramble it in the end zone. The guy's got some wheels. I mean, uh, I don't know how long I can really go in on this by, by all means, cut me off when you see need, uh, Travis, <laughs> I'll, I'll, um, I'll just jump in smart with QB. I'm sorry, Kyle. I'm, I'm going to jump in with two things that you, you mentioned or you didn't mention that I think are two of his strengths as well, and that's the timing anticipation. He throws with as much timing anticipation as anyone in the league, which is something that really is a cerebral mindset of the quarterback position, and that also kind of lends into his leadership abilities. And you kind of watch those those like mic'd up situation or those mic'd up uh, videos they have on NFL films, whatever it is. He's always like super encouraging. He's always you know barking at guys, getting in the right formation and the right set. And I just love seeing that from a quarterback. So yeah, go ahead and continue, Kyle, please. Oh yeah. And by the way, to, to kind of hit on your point about being cerebral and things and kind of like barking at guys and ordering the round. And this is a nugget from your boy, Daniel Jeremiah at move the sticks. And I don't know if you know this, but Kirk cousins, his pro day, you know, like think about who organizes the pro day. It's the coaches at the school and it's uh, the quarterback coach. They also have their hand in it. Kirk cousins at Michigan state organized the whole pro day himself. You know, he was telling the receivers what routes they're going to run and where they were supposed to be and this and that. He organized the whole damn thing on his own. You know, so I think about a, a college kid doing that. Right. You know, he was he was doing that type of stuff in college. And think, just come to think what he does in the NFL. And I know there's a lot of good pieces on his work ethic and stuff. Um, 
really good at throwing over the middle of the field, um, really good at throwing digs and posts. Uh, he definitely manipulates defenders with his eyes, good at selling play action. I mean, I, I really but, like the kid. I, I think he's a good quarterback, and I will pay $30 million a year for this guy because he's also not injured. You know, he's not injury prone. And the Jets, even the quarterbacks that we've had that were somewhat viable, like Chad Pennington, that dude couldn't stay healthy. You know, you guys had him down in Miami. He brought you guys to the playoffs one year, got hurt ne- the next year. But that was not something abnormal for Chad Pennington. So the Jets need some type of stability at the quarterback position. They need some type of leadership within the organization. I think he's the guy to do it. Now, I could, we could talk a lot more about him, but I know this is not the time or place to do that. In terms of the Jets, I guess, fallback option, I mean, obviously I'm open to drafting some of these guys at six. But I don't think that's like the you know like worst-case scenario or the, the fallback type of option. But if we're talking fallback type of options, and I know you're not super high on this guy – but I always was a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. And who the hell knows what's up with his knee? <laughs> I saw you responding to one of your Twitter followers and saying, like, oh, we should go and get Teddy Bridgewater. And you're like, yeah, let's get a less talented quarterback with an even bigger knee issue. <laughs> and, and the thing is, we, you know, we don't know what's up with Teddy Bridgewater's knee. But, you know, I mean, I know he's running and stuff. That doesn't mean he can play football. But, you know, I think uh, would we have seen him this year if Keenum wasn't playing so well, if the Vikings weren't so hot? I think we would have. I, I do think that we would have. Um, and I always loved his game. I love the, the way the dude slides in the pocket. And, I mean, he didn't really get a fair shake his first couple of years because that Minnesota offensive line was ungodly awful. I know he's not a guy who really pushes the ball. And not to mention the offense that he was in. You know, Norv Turner was making him take seven-step jobs and, and shooting the ball downfield all game, kind of like a Bruce Arians type of offense. And that's not Teddy Bridgewater's game. So he was set up for failure in Minnesota and still – almost won a playoff game with them. But I would love him on the Jets um, if he's healthy. So I would definitely be cool with him. I had a Chris Kaufman on the podcast a while back talking about options for the backup quarterback for the Dolphins. And he mentioned Teddy Bridgewater as a guy that the Dolphins could bring in for a backup as someone they kind of groom for the future and kind of be put behind Ryan Tannehill. So, you know, that's a good option there as well. And just go, going back to your Kirk Cousins point real quick here, Kyle, you know, you mentioned that he kind of had not much of a fall off in terms of his statistics. And that he did that without Pierre Garçon, without Deshaun Jackson, and with a banged up Jordan Reed all year. So just to see the offense kind of fall completely apart, but have Kirk Cousins stay at that same level, that really tells you something about the guy. And, you know, Another thing about him is the way I see it is how does the how do his opponents feel about him? And if I see Kirk Cousins on that Jets team with that that Jets defense that they have in terms of the pieces, you know, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, some of the other guys they brought in the last couple of years, I'd be worried about them. I would say that if they got Kirk Cousins, they are right there with us in terms of kind of pecking order in the division. So or even if not even better. So I'd be worried about that. Let's move on to the next topic, Kyle, talking about free agent holes. Which positions for the Jets have to be addressed this offseason? They definitely have to address quarterback, cornerback, that is, um, some way, shape, or form. Um, there's options in the draft if they get Kirk Cousins. You know, maybe at pick number six, you can look at somebody like Minka Fitzpatrick. Got to question those Alabama DBs a little bit. Jets drafted D. Milliner ninth overall. Didn't work out too well for them. But um, definitely cornerback. I mean, Morris Claiborne had a, a decent year. I don't think you can say he didn't have a decent year, but he's a free agent. And I think he's much more likely to regress because he played 15 games this year, and he's only done that one other time in his career. Uh, and uh, let's see. Now, in terms of um, like what they, who they might sign at cornerback, I think a name to look for if they want to spend big, because the Jets do have to spend. Um, you know, you have to spend over, I think it's over a period of five years, correct me if I'm wrong, you have to spend 89% of your cap. 
Um, and the Jets are on the lower end. They, they spent um, very little over the last couple of years. So look at a name like Tremaine Johnson. He fits the Todd Bowles uh, type of cornerback. He's very long. You know, if you look in terms of his height, I think he's about 6'2", uh, very long arms, maybe like 32, 33-something inches. And Bowles loves long corners, long DBs uh, for that matter. You know, Jamal Adams has very long length. Morris Claiborne, same thing. Justin Burr, same thing. Even Marcus May. All those guys fit into a very long defensive back type of mold. Um, those are the – he's always – and if you even looking back at his time, you know, with Arizona, Patrick Peterson – he likes those types of defensive backs, even though, you know, which which is weird to me because he played a lot of off man and a lot more zone in the past couple of years rather than, you know, getting those long corners right up in the receiver's face and jamming them off the line, which is another questionable, you know, coaching decision for me with Bowles. You know, why not use more? Morris Claiborne's at his best when you play him like that. Anyway, the Jets need to get a cornerback because Buster Screen, is he even going to return? And he's trash anyway. You guys all remember what <laughs> Kenny Stills did to him, roasting him all up and down the field. Jeez. Um, I hate that guy. I really do. <laughs> I know they you do. they, they I know. even asked that little pissant, um, you know, about why he's got so much penalties this year. And he basically said, well, I got a reputation from previous years. <laughs> uh, basically saying, well, it's not really my fault. The DBs, or the, the refs just got it against me because of my previous experiences. Oh, of course. Why not? As if, you know. As if he's not at fault at all this year. <laughs> of course. I mean, it's got to be someone else's fault, right? Never your own fault. Of course. No. So, I mean, are you going to return him? Like, I don't think so. So there's there's options out there. Malcolm Butler, I always like this game. I haven't watched him as much this year, but I heard he had a down year. So um, be interesting. To, you know, I hear Ian Morton, Dolphins fan. Yep. He's going to release his cornerback uh, book sometime in March, I hear, is the expected date. So I'm, I'm curious to pick that up and kind of peruse through his numbers and stuff. Yeah, that, that's uh, anyway, going to be um, excellent. That's going to be an excellent handbook. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, so cornerback is a definite need. Center. Oh, my God. Like I said before, bar none, we have the worst center in the league in Wesley Johnson. <laughs> that dude is just terrible. He does nothing well. Um, so there are some options out there. Weston Richburg of the Giants, you know, he's had a Pro Bowl season here or there. Um, this guy, Ryan Jensen from the Ravens, who admittedly I really haven't watched, but apparently, you know, he gets a lot of love. These guys can't be as bad as what we have. So any any um, of center that we get is an instant upgrade. Um, in terms of other offensive linemen, like, yes, I, I, I was ranting about how bad our offensive line is. It's tough for me to really see us going with so many people, though, because – you know, I mean, who really is out there at tackle? Are we going to release Beecham and get Nate Solder? Like, I don't think so because we just signed Beecham to a contract. Um, you know, you just locked Brian Winters up. You, if you cut him, you're going to get tons of dead cap space. So I can't really see that. Um, wide receiver? You know, I hear Jets fans talking about us getting Juice Landry, the Dolphins receiver. I mean, we just drafted our Darius Stewart to be a basically – I call him a homeless man's Jarvis Landry because he does nothing well as nothing even as close to as good as Jarvis Landry does it. But that's the type of player he is. He's a yards after catch type of guy. He's a receiver. He's a, he basically a receiver playing, you know, or a receiver who's like a running back. But um, he doesn't do anything as well as Juice. But you, you know, you're gonna you drafted him in the third round, so you're gonna go out and, and sign Jarvis Landry and pay him number one wide receiver money when you still got Ardarius. It doesn't make sense to me. Allen Robinson coming off a torn ACL, I don't see that either. So um, cornerback, um, center, you know, maybe they go out and get a tackle, but um, yeah, I can't see them going after too many big name 
um, positions. Uh, obviously, quarterbacks one, but anyway, let's carry on. Well, you can save those for the next topic here. This is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. He is Kyle Smith at AFC East Bros. It is Rivalry Week here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, talking all things New York Jets. And we have a few more questions for Kyle on the Jets offseason coming up right after this. This is a Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, joined by Kyle Smith at AFC East Bros on Twitter. And Kyle, we are talking all things Jets. You've talked about Kirk Cousins. You've talked about your lack of interest in Todd Bowles. Let's talk a little bit about some potential moves going forward, uh, some free agency previews, and also talk about the Jets' 2018 season, if you don't mind getting way too early into that. First thing I want to ask you is, you talked about Buster Screen as a guy that might not be back, and you probably would be very happy about that. Are there any potential surprise cuts we could see coming up from the Jets? I think one that would be a little bit surprising is if uh, the Jets cut James Carpenter. Uh, he had, you know, he was an off-season signing for the Jets a couple years back. He had two really, really good years for the Jets um, in 2015 and 2016, respectively. Uh, Bowles was first year as a coach, but he had a really down year this year. And the Jets ran a lot more zone blocking this year than man gap blocking. And, you know, when you're talking about he's a massive human being, massive. If you go to Jets practices, he just, you know, towers over other offensive linemen and he's got so much more girth than them. But when you think about zone blocking and, you know, sealing off defenders and getting to the second level, um, he's a big guy who I don't think does that very well. So I think that's a big reason why he struggled so much this year. And all Jets indications, you know, with Jeremy Bates taking over as offensive coordinator, is the Jets plan on keeping it that way with more zone blocking. So I think you'll see him struggle again this year. You wonder if he's a good fit and if his cap hit warrants keeping him around. That would be a surprise cut to me. Um, Another potential surprise cut, maybe like someone like Kelvin Beecham, but I can't really see that. I would say the only one would probably be uh, James Carpenter. James Carpenter. Yeah, I remember watching him from the Seattle Seahawks, and you guys signed him. I, I knew you got a pretty good player there, but it's funny how quickly guys can fall off like that. But, all right, Kyle, I have a couple more questions for you. One of my favorite things I've seen, I think it was from Pro Football Weekly when I used to read their magazines every single summer, the preview magazines. They talked about best-case scenario for, for a season for a team and worst-case scenarios. Like, what is the thing that could happen that would give them, like, what's their ceiling and, I guess, their floor, I guess is what the term we use these days, the two, the two buzzwords for that type of topic. So I want to hear your last segment here. Your best case scenario for 2018 for the Jets, what that looks like and how high that would take them and what the worst case scenario is, the bottom falling out and, you know, what that could possibly be. And I know it's obviously way too early to talk about this. You don't even know who the quarterback is or whatever that, you know, all the positions that have to be filled. But just kind of based on what you think will happen, who they will sign, who they will draft, give me the best and worst case scenarios and how they got there. I mean, shoot, I think this can fluctuate a lot. I really, really do. I mean, as, as much as I don't like Bowles as a coach, he was on the verge of a playoff berth. A couple of years and I think that's part of the reason is because the AFC has been kind of down over the last couple of years same thing this year I mean if the Jets get somebody like Cousins and they draft well they have they have like what four picks in the three or four picks in the top 50 you know they got an extra second rounder from Seattle this year from acquiring Sheldon Richardson or dealing him off to them if they draft well get somebody like Cousins I mean you're talking you're getting your franchise quarterback and you don't have to give up draft capital and you still got the sixth overall pick they could do some things, and pretend, I mean, and, and even the Patriots, they have to take a step down next year. Brady's not getting any younger, and they're losing their two coordinators. I'm not saying the Jets could take the division. I really don't believe that at all. But it's not to think it's not crazy to think that they could sneak a win over the Patriots at MetLife Stadium. They always play them hard there, and maybe get a wild card berth. That would be the absolute best, though. I would see them being one and done in the playoffs. Um, but then again, you know, if they don't sign Cousins. If they draft Josh Allen, 
I know you like Josh. I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> uh, they drafted Josh, and you know, let's say they brought back McCown again to mentor him, and McCown goes down early, and Josh McCown is uh, Josh Allen is thrown into the wolves early on, and he struggles. I could see this team winning another three, four games. I could see it being that drastic of a of a difference. And that puts you in a rough spot too, because at that point you obviously have a high draft pick a quarterback, and you're not a very good team. So then you really, I mean, I always say that when you're this high in the draft, is and the Jets are six. It's not super high, but it's it's pretty high. I always say this is a time where you have to capitalize on having getting yourself a quarterback. And obviously there are unique situations like the Colts having Andrew Luck, and God knows what's going on with his shoulder. But I mean, do you feel like there's a, a bit of urgency to find that quarterback right now? I mean, obviously you're a big Kirk Cousins guy. Let's say that they don't get Kirk Cousins. Is there a lot of pressure on the Jets to to take a quarterback with that sixth pick in the draft? Absolutely. There's, I would say there's even pressure to trade up because Denver is picking before you. You know Denver needs a quarterback. They might not even get Cousins. Maybe a team like Jacksonville swoops in and gets him. So, you know, you're thinking like the Giants might be willing to trade out. We hear that that might be the case. The Colts certainly might be willing to trade out because, you know, they already got their quarterback. There's a lot of pressure to go and get a guy. Now, you obviously want to get the guy you like. You don't take a quarterback just to take a quarterback. That's stupid. But you want to get your guy. And that might, you know, acquire some draft capital in order to do that. And listen, that Mike McCagnon, he's done, an, I guess, an okay job. I certainly don't love him. Certain Jets fans do. But the one thing is he's 0 for 2 drafting quarterbacks. And in terms of signing a guys in free agency, well, Fitz really backfired in his face. Um, so he needs to get a quarterback. And I've heard a lot of Jets fans, Jets fans that I respect saying, if he doesn't solve the quarterback issue this year with the draft capital that he has, with all the money that he has to spend, he should not be retained going forward. And I don't know if I disagree with that. I mean, it's, I think it's a very fair assessment. If he screws this one up, I would be cool letting him walk. <laughs> Absolutely. And Kyle, we could do this for hours, you and I. I know we could talk about it, but I have to go ahead and let you loose now. I have to keep it under a half an hour, right around a half hour. So let's plan on having you back on again in the offseason talking about the, the Jeffs draft class. Maybe a super episode uh, previewing the Jets season down on the road in August. Would that sound good to you? Of course, my friend. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Kyle. He is Kyle Smith at AFC East Bros. And like I said, man, really big, uh, uh, really big fan of your stuff and appreciate you coming on the show tonight. I'm an even bigger fan of your stuff. Thank you for having me. He is Kyle Smith, formerly of the AFC East Bros podcast at AFC East Bros on Twitter. And a big thanks to him for coming on the show. And that will do it for tonight's show here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And of course, like I said, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have tons of great written content up every single day for you guys. Check out the at Locked On NFL Twitter handle as well as their Facebook page. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, Rivalry Week, talking to the Buffalo Bills, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.